0: Pal's Podcast with Matt Stock and
1: Zach Stevens. We're back. Welcome, friends, to episode number six of the Good Pals Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stock. I am up in the lab on Lagoon Road with my producer, my co-host, and my good pal, Mr. Zach Stevens. Stevens. Matty Stock, welcome back, brother. Dude, it's nice to be back. It's really nice to be back. Things have been a little bit busy for us. We got off track. We missed a, we missed a, a, two, a little over two weeks since we put an episode out.
0: Felt like a breakup.
1: Yeah, but not really because we're cool. But we were just busy. I was just on vacation, so we couldn't quite get a pot in beforehand. But we, I mean, the good news is we have plenty of content to talk about.
0: Yeah, no one can see you, but you're he's a red as a lobster right now. I was guys. well, I
1: was red as a lobster transitioning. Yeah, that's true. Into the red dragon. <laughs> yeah, a golden tan, but I got burnt. Shout I got out. a little, I got a little carried away in the Caribbean sun. Down there in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. Very nice. Very nice trip. Uh, very glad to be back, though. It's gone for a long time.
0: He lives a life of leisure, ladies
1: and gentlemen. I try to, man. But, you know, I used to work hard. I am sort of a gentleman of, somewhat of a gentleman of leisure right now. A raconteur, if you will. Fine taste. Yeah, well, I do have some pretty fine tastes. We just went to um, Circle K to get some coffee. <laughs> if you want to talk about refined tastes. The best
0: coffee on the East Coast.
1: I mean, yeah, I love the Circle K coffee, but... Um, Speaking of having a refined palate, you know, and us being somewhat foodies, you could say, uh, a new product at Circle K caught my eye. It was a product (laughs) that was called the Ultimate Sausage. So I complained first because there were no hot dogs. I was looking forward to getting a glizzy. To loosen up my vocal cords before we get things rolling here, you know, as a glizzy can do. This man... Gra- no fucking glizzies. <laughs> this
0: man grabs a sausage off the, <laughs> off the roller, takes three bites of it. First, by the way... Two bites. To, turns his back to the, the cashier so he can't... Was
1: my back turned to him? I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about my yeah. location. It was a, It was like the sneakiest
0: sausage eating I've ever seen. And then throws the other half... He goes, no, he goes, want a bite? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to uh, fucking bite, dude. <laughs> I mean, just,
1: I, sometimes these sausage products just—you know—I lose myself. I lose myself in the moment. But I did try the ultimate sausage, and I chewed it a couple times, and I was like, I don't think this is it.
0: It's very hard as a man to say no to like a rotisserie meat.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. So I had to try it, and you know what? I was like, mm, I was like, I don't think, I don't think they should. I don't think this is very ultimate. And I threw it out, and then I had a couple <laughs> more chews, and I was like, wait a minute, this is pretty fucking good. So yeah. I might have jumped the gun. The Ultimate Sausage, Okay, I'm going to give it a wary thumbs up. I say give it a try. Coffee's good. The is always reliable. The Ultimate Sausage, not too bad. Not bad at all. Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something, Stevens, even though you just outed me for being a sausage thief? What's up, brother? The moment I wake up, before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. A brief tribute there to the dearly departed Burt Bacharach, one of America's most prolific, talented, and successful songwriters, passed away this week. After a very long and successful career, I know you've got some of his tunes pumped up, guys. The reason you just heard me perform that number is because, of course, you know Stevens is my bro. But you know, we were just started. We were just talking about him before we started recording here. And Zach, as he usually prone to do, goes, "Oh, hand me that guitar." So I hand him his fucking guitar. He starts playing the song, I Say a Little Prayer for You, which he's probably never played before, but sings it beautifully and plays it beautifully. And I said, Stevens, we're going into intro to the pod today as you playing that fucking song because it's perfect for a little Burt Backrack tribute. And he wouldn't, you would not fucking do it. Explain.
0: Um, I don't know. I didn't want to sing on the pod today.
1: You haven't sang on the pod yet. Yeah. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to fucking well, sing on this. Pop. I think the audience could. Can... I'll sing on every episode. but yeah, Nobody should... <laughs> wants that. They want to hear you. They don't want to hear me. They
0: should consider themselves lucky. I mean, I think Aretha Franklin is shaking in her boots right now after that performance. Yeah. She should be.
1: That's going to inspire Naked Eyes to go back on tour again.
0: Oh, yeah, and that's the other song. Uh, Backrack.
1: A lot of uh, great songs. Like you have, you have, uh, you have some of his up, some of his big hits up. Raindrops keep falling on my head from Butch Cassidy and the Sunset Kid. Um. I mean, just so many iconic love songs. Um, the Look of Love, Raindrops, I mentioned. What's New, Pussycat, for Tom Jones. Uh, I Say a Little Prayer is a wonderful song. And a song that you and I both love, a particular version of, is a song called There's Always Something There to Remind Me. God damn. Which was covered by um, so many R&B and soul and even rock and pop bands through the 60s, 70s. And uh, to, to, to different levels of success, in my opinion. I listened to a whole bunch of versions of it the other day because I wanted to see if any of them sized up to the version by a band that I think are Australian, maybe. Uh, but Naked know. Eyes. And what was the year? Was it 84, Stevens? Um, I believe in the year 1984, Naked Eyes. I'm
0: just afraid to click on it because I don't want to play music yeah, through yeah. the pod. And then, uh, um, I
1: think it's 83 or 84. It was huge on MTV. It was a so-called one-hit wonder. Naked Eyes did have another hit called Promises, Promises, which is a pretty good song. But their cover of Always Something There to Remind Me, which was accented was, with a uh, church bells. And it's a real synth-heavy song.
0: Yeah, 83.
1: 83. Guy's got a beautiful voice, though. Sings the song very well.
0: Dude, and you and I, like, we, we listened to that and we were just immediately pumped to do this. Podcast.
1: I got a little emotional. You did. I, I, I think, I, I bet, I'm sure that the majority of our listeners are familiar with the song Always Something There to Remind Me, because of this Naked Eyes version. Give them a little bit. It's one of the, it's one of those songs.
0: You don't want to give him a little bit?
1: If you should find you miss the sweet and tender love we used to share. Just go back to the places where we used to go and I'll be there. You didn't even take it. Professional musician, my (laughs) podcasting partner here. Here's what I think about Always Something there to remind me. It's one of the most uh, touching and accurate portrayals of lost love that I've ever heard. It's a great love song, and that was Burke Bacharach's fucking thing. It's incredible. He wrote some great love songs amongst that one. So thank you for bearing with my... um, My vocal talents uh, sometimes
0: I just really I like to sing, man. I like it. We should do it more. People don't understand. Right before these podcasts, you and I have discovered our pump up things, listen to music. Um, uh, two weeks ago, before you left, we recorded a pod, the football pod. And right before we listened to, um,
1: uh, we're listening to the police wrapped around your finger.
0: Yeah, oh my god, yeah, I could do that again. When you hear that snappy
1: Stuart Cope drumming, that gets me going. So good, you know, just like the church bells and Naked Eyes did today. I but know. rest in peace, Burt Bacharach. Why do '80s songs though?
0: I know this song was written in the '60s by sure Burt, and um, but just read on the '80s. Why do '80s songs like might be like the most like a love emotion like triggering songs?
1: Just well, I mean, for me, I can say it's nostalgia because I grew up with them. Yeah. For you. I, don't I mean, I don't know. And Nostalgia, you can have nostalgia for, I think, other... I have nostalgia for the 70s, you know? And well, Like, this band, like... I the, wasn't there when that shit happened, but I love disco, and I love the fucking Stones albums from that era, and Floyd, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So, I, I think you can inherit nostalgia. It depends what your folks listen to, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's true. That's uh, a big part of it, and 80s music is huge.
0: Neither it, of my parents cared about shit like this. You
1: always hear a lot of 80s music. But um, uh, still, you know, and that's a, and that happens to be a great one. But the backbone of it is his great lyrics by Burt Bacharach.
0: Yeah. This song has like a very Tears for Fears feel as well. Yeah, if you say so. You don't think you don't think the church bells kind of have like a. <laughs> I, I don't
1: know. Tears Like for Fears. a head over heels kind of feel. Yeah, well, the bells and head over heels. is That's a good call. I yeah. can see that, yeah. Fuck Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. But guys, you really should have heard Zach sing, Say a Little Prayer. It was wonderful. We'll get him to sing on an upcoming episode. Yeah, we'll
0: see. And
1: if not, I'll just keep singing until you guys fucking demand it. And then he'll have to. But it was, it was pretty cool, and uh, we just realized. The guy wrote a lot of cool music that made a lot of people happy. So
0: Yeah, I'm glad we uh, got to give him a little spotlight. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. pre-show spotlight.
1: Cheers to Burt Bacharach. We talk about you know we have little things here and there that have caught our attention. As of late, do we want to talk about the Super Bowl yet? Mm. You want to do Super Bowl later? Yeah, let's end with that. We'll do Super Bowl later, which I'm very excited about. We're about 24 hours away from the kickoff. But um, I saw a couple movie trailers this week that got me to thinking about the state of cinema, popular cinema. Um, Two movies that are going to be coming out in the next couple months. The first movie is called Air and is directed by Ben Affleck. Stars himself and his good pal Matt Damon. And what is Air the story of, Stevens?
0: Uh It's a story of uh, Nike's rise to uh, becoming one of the biggest players in the shoe game.
1: The biggest player in the shoe game. And there was a time, guys, when Nike kind of was the underdog in the shoe game. Converse, Adidas, um, all sort of more successful. Fuck, maybe even Pony. Nah, not Pony. <laughs> I
0: don't even know what Pony is. <laughs> <Well>, i <I'm> old. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is Pony?
1: So one person in one shoe changed Nike forever, and that was the Air Jordan. And what was unique about the Air Jordan was not only that it was the fucking coolest sneaker of all time. The Jordan 1 red, white, and black, I think, is still the most iconic shoe in history. Yeah, sure. Although we all like the 4s, you know. We like the 4s. The 4s are the shit. It's about the 1. And Nike sort of broke the mold by pursuing one athlete. Instead of focusing on the sport of basketball or saying, this is a basketball shoe. This is... But that was like this is Michael Jordan's basketball shoe.
0: I like the Elevens just to put that. Out Jordan
1: there. not yet a Jordan not yet a pro even at this time. Still at University of North Carolina had just finished uh, his senior season, and Nike decided to pursue him aggressively to have an exclusive shoe contract with him. in air is the story of how that happened, with Affleck playing Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike, and Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, the agent or uh, executive whoever who got Jordan to sign. And um, the rest is history. And I said, that, uh, and when we talk about popular culture, we talk about iconography. Okay, that's the S on Superman's chest. That's the Van Halen symbol. That's yeah. the Air Jordan. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Shit that the,
1: represents such you know such huge things and you know and there's a, Michael Jackson's glove. Um,
0: Rolling Stones tongue.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, great example. I have a tattooed on my fucking body. I, <laughs> think I can't it. believe you let that one. Yeah, yeah. But the Jordan. Is up there the Jumpman logo and just the shoe itself? That Jordan One, I think, and the Jumpman logo, um, just immediately identifiable.
0: Jumpman, Jumpman. Anyone?
1: No all. What is that a song?
0: <laughs> yeah. Who is that a song by? Uh, some rapper. These boys up to something?
1: <laughs> you ever
0: heard anyone? Anyway. No, I never heard it. What I'm just fuck? saying it's been used.
1: In- no, what the fuck you think? think I've never heard it before. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I should have... Uh, Is it
1: Run DMC? <laughs> you no, know, it's not, brother.
0: Um, or uh, do you remember um, Jay's on my feet? Jay's no. Jay's on my feet? No. I think that's Juicy J. Never heard of him. I'm just trying to throw that out. I suck, dude.
1: What's wrong with
0: me? I think you're living without knowing these songs. Okay,
1: so Air looks great. To me, it looks a little bit like Moneyball. It looks a little bit like the Wolf of Wall Street. Throwing a little bit of a sports element to it. And I think you have Air. And you can never... Ever discount Ben Affleck as a director because he's a fucking great director?
0: Yeah, Fargo.
1: Well, and the town.
0: These two together. Gone Baby
1: Gone. Yeah, well, yeah, those two together too. Good Will Hunting. Talk about good pals, huh?
0: Yeah, bros.
1: They did it together, dude. Like us, we're on the way up together. When do you think we'll have our Oscar moment? When we get our best best original screenplay Oscar?
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: Remember we were going to write a screenplay? Oh yeah. Yeah, but about my life in college. Oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the, maybe that's the key.
0: Can we out like what the what your life in college was? No. Okay, cool.
1: No, maybe another time. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the Cocaine Bear episode <laughs> <laughs> coming in two weeks, guys. Have you got your advance tickets for Cocaine Bear yet? I haven't yet because we want our good pal Sarah Joey Clemens to go see Cocaine Bear with us. Yeah, well. and then do the Cocaine Bear pod, which will be the pod of the century.
0: Speaking of uh, animal movies.
1: Yeah, so Air was a trailer I thought was a really good... Um, it's a non-IP, right? Non-IP, not intellectual property. Uh, based on a true story, a bit of a biographical film, but, not, you know, not high-concept, simple kind of thing. And I saw a trailer that I'm sure everybody fucking loves that's seen it so far. It's a movie called Strays, and it stars Will Ferrell, who for me is hit-miss, Jamie Foxx, a couple other voice towns. um... It's, you know what, they could call it. They could call the. They can make the title of the movie Dogs Saying Fuck, you know? And yeah. that's kind of what the premise of the trailer is. Ooh, these dogs talk. Not that their masters can understand them, they can understand each other.
0: It's like Homeward Bound, but for yeah, fucked sure. up adults. Yeah. Oh, no. I love Homeward
1: Bound. You know, I didn't see Homeward Bound until a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I watched it during COVID, and I was completely enamored with it.
0: Dude. Um, I loved it. Little Homeward Bound story. When I was a kid, my great grandmother, whenever we'd go visit her, she. I mean, granted, she lived alone most of the time with just her and my great-grandfather, Bob. But when we'd come in town, she had this whole room dedicated to VHSs. I mean, dude, we had every VHS from, like, Homeward Bound, Pocahontas, Hercules. Radio. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Radio as well. But I just, thinking of Homeward Bound just now just made me think of, like, the VCR. I mean, dude, that's something kids will never do now is open up a VCR. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just remember like hearing the case like rattle
1: around. There. This is the currency that me and you deal in brother. We like these memories. You know, that's why we do this podcast. This is great stuff to, to talk
0: about. It's like what are kids even gonna remember though? And when I
1: some kids probably gonna fucking see strays and think it's the coolest movie he's ever seen in his life. Like the way I felt when I saw Beverly Hills Cop or something. But you know, just watching it it, it leaves like and I laugh at a couple things in the trailer, you know?
0: I laughed. At, I laughed at the first thing in the trailer and But then a
1: like, I minute mean, mean, you didn't even finish the trailer, right? No. Yeah, it's just sort of like it beats you down with Stupidity and the shitty CGI animated mouse. And well, dude, in Jamie like... Foxx is a Boston Terrier, and it's just like, you know what, man, <laughs> fuck it. What funny. are you doing?
0: That's just funny to say out loud. Yeah. I think funny movies are kind of dead, dude.
1: Comedies have had a huge problem.
0: I mean, I think stand up comedy is alive and well. Yeah, big But, top. like, comedy movies, there, there aren't any wedding crashers. There aren't any. I don't even know if you like that movie. Do you like the movie? I love Wedding Okay, I love yeah, it. Sure.
1: There aren't movies like that. I think that was the last big get, like those movies and the Apatow movies were like the last big run of like successful. Yeah, movies. like
0: this is forty knocked up. All yeah,
1: it'll shit. come, and I think it'll come back. These things are cyclical, as we've discussed before.
0: Well, those movies have rosters, you know. I mean, yeah,
1: they do, and I mean, now you have streaming. You have all these people with ah, development deals to do TV shows. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, didn't want to forget that. Oh yeah, very good, very funny.
0: There are funny shows though. You're right because I mean, like, dude, I've been a. Uh, since you left you told me to watch Barry on HBO yeah, yeah. Bill Hader's kind of like yeah. standalone show holy shit I laughed my ass off watching that so. and
1: that's more like a black comedy thing and it's got like an angle yeah. so there's less traditional sitcoms or funny comedy movies like we saw the menu and thought it was funny yeah for sure but for it's sure. a dark comedy at best you know like okay people are asking here's a question people are asking me a lot have you watched this ninety show I don't want to watch it man I don't Apparently
0: it's getting good ratings.
1: Yeah, it's getting good ratings, and people are digging it. But it's just like I think.
0: Ah. I think what you and I are referring to right now is buddy comedies. There's no more buddy comedies. There's more like it's like unconventional comedy, but it's almost like kind of a
1: well. There's no real. There's not many romantic comedies. I mean, people will try to put them out here and there, but they don't do really well. Not even make a rom
0: com anymore, though. I mean, Julie so Roberts gone.
1: and George Clooney just had a rom com come out that didn't really do anything, and like. Ten fucking years ago that would have been making $150, dollars million. What right? was that a movie
0: that did pretty well with uh Sandra? Sandra Bullock, Bullock and
1: Channing Tatum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Lost yeah. City? I think that did okay. Yeah, I watched it and it was like it was somewhat entertaining. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Well, they're all talented, you know. Brad Pitt was in it too. Well, but can comedy he, can he you he do overall wrong? and just I just there's so many goddamn talented, funny people, and including all these stand ups, you know. And the way it used to go with stand-up comedy is you do you get a good stand-up career going, you get a fucking sitcom deal. Yeah, now it's so, Ray Romano or uh, Bill Cosby, you know, well, he was a movie star too, but Roseanne.
0: Well, you know, it, yeah. And you know what it is now though? You get say, a Netflix deal. Well, no, that that's a possibility, but you start a podcast. Yeah. And that podcast becomes your mm. like financial sure. fucking sure. app. You know? Sure. I mean, but they do
1: get these package deals on Netflix and these guys are some of these prolific, true. some of these prolific yeah. comedians are really like a guy like Burt Kreischer or whatever. Yeah. That yeah, motherfucker's yeah. got a new special out. Like called, every time we turn Netflix on, he'll be in Savannah
0: know? in like three days. I, have a couple of I missed him the last time it's, he's funny. I don't care to go watch him But the people who've been Opening for him Have been incredible I don't know if any of our listeners Are big into like Stand up or anything But uh, Mark Norman His uh, And a lot of people Were taking like The YouTube route Putting it out for no money And just right. making money Off ad right. revenue And hoping to God People view it You know And
1: the, Well I tell people When I saw Tom Segura oh, At the Johnny Mercer In Savannah I'm so jealous you The guy there. that opened for him His name is Jeff Tate Who's the funniest comedian I think I've ever seen in my life Dude I was absolutely dying I'd never heard of him You know I had to do research to figure out who the fuck it was. It's like, does anyone know who that guy was that opened for Segura the other night? No one did, but uh, Jeff Tate, check him out. G E O F F. He's a G off, but don't hold that against him. Very funny
0: dude. I never know how to pronounce that when I see it. Well, also
1: the very identical name of a eighties heavy metal um, progressive rock band called Queensryche, Jeff Tate, different Jeff Tate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Not the same guy. Not the same guy. So yeah, comedy in the movies is fucked because we're talking about talking dogs and I'm sure there's going to be poo-poo and pee-pee jokes and (laughs) strays. So guys, do me a favor, man. Take your box office dollars and go see Air so we can get some more good movies in the theater. And I I guess go see strays too, but go see Air also. Don't just go see strays because we deserve nice things. Speaking of nice things and things that are not so nice. The Last of Us, Stevens, is something that we talked about when it premiered, because it was big news that the show was coming on HBO, and we were very impressed with the first episode, yeah, uh, our- so much so that we recapped the second episode, and we said, we think this is going to become a big thing, a big HBO thing, which is not like all their shows have certain levels of success, but this is going to be like a Sopranos succession level smash, and it has. It's huge. Since we last sat down and recorded, a few very big things have happened for The Last of Us both on the show and in real time, such as. It has been renewed for a second season.
0: Yeah. and Sorry, I was just pulling after up just the numbers. A, which
1: after a couple episodes. Well, I told you, since the premiere episode, episode five just came out last night. We're going to talk about it in a second. Episode four's ratings were up 60% from episode one ratings, which were not bad. But the big catalyst was episode three, which had an almost 20% rise from episode three to four. And episode three was very um, somewhat daring and somewhat different.
0: Oh my God! It took a huge chance. I episode.
1: Thought. And what was the deal with episode three? And I and, mean, and I want you to talk about a bottle episode because you know what bottle episodes are. Because I remember when you started watching The Sopranos, you talked about Pine Barons, and you're like, "That's a bottle episode."
0: Uh, give me a bo- give me the, like the actual definition. And though, I was like, sorry. "That's
1: correct." Well, you said it's a bottle episode. Did I say that?
0: Oh wow. Okay, maybe. About
1: Pine barons. a bottle episode oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, something that sort of is uh, aside from the the main narrative thread of the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has
1: maybe peripheral characters or one character from the show that's in an ensemble and tells one isolated story that sometimes could happen in a day. In this case, years. This was a bottle episode that happened over years about peripheral characters from the game.
0: We also have to talk about something uh well, first off I'll preface the episode. So the third episode of The Last of Us follows. Um, we meet two survivors, Bill and Frank. What introduces Bill first? He lives by himself. He's kind of a, a prepper. Survi- he calls himself a survivalist. Yeah. But he has this dope setup amidst the world falling apart. He's got a town fenced in. Yeah, he's got a town fenced in. He's um, I mean, he's just a he's your typical prepper. He he hated the government and prepped for stuff something like this to happen. And he had the guns. He had the food. He had the water. And yet he's living this beautiful life.
1: But you know what he didn't prep for? He didn't prep for love. He did not prep for love, and he gets it.
0: And do we ever? No, we don't. We don't. But um, he runs into another survivor, a man named Frank, who's on his way to Boston. Yes, to try to get to the Boston QZ quarantine zone. And um, I mean, the rest of the video, the rest of the episode is history. I mean, it's just uh, a—it is a. um,
1: a It's a love story.
0: It's a queer love story.
1: Yeah. It's a queer love story, and it's a good one. And uh, you know, choosing Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett as the leads, yeah, Murray, was a very good choice. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, you know, Nick Offerman is, just, you know, he is the he does the tough guy alpha sort of thing very well, but he but it betrays like a sort of like a sensitivity inside <laughs> of him that you can see. In this episode, and we can talk about it because everyone in the the fucking world has seen this. Well, I saw a tweet
0: today that goes: Nick Offerman plays the same character in every show, and I love it. Yeah, like when (laughs) when he was playing the piano,
1: and you could just see like there's he had a longing in him, you know? There was a sadness. He crushed it. Yeah, and 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 it was and it was handled deftly, and I think that and then in no in no way to in no way like to to focus on the queerness of it, you know? That it was just these are two people that are in love, and they found happiness in the worst fucking situation you could possibly imagine.
0: Yeah. AKA a
1: zombie apocalypse.
0: When they live a beautiful life too. And, um,
1: yeah. I mean, you just, you see like they, they, they do like, they have a, they have an incident where their, their camp gets raided by humans, not zombies. Yeah. Or the town gets raided and there's, you know, some violence they have to get through and they have their challenges just as in a relationship with one another as all people do.
0: (laughs) They also have an incident where Frank wants to paint the fence and Bill's like, why do you care about these? Trivial things, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "Well, because this is our fucking life here, man. Yeah. And I want it to be." And and Frank is the one who, um, so our main character Joel, before you know, he discovers Ellie and they go on this journey together. Uh, Joel was kind of running with Tess. Um, yeah, kind of loot to each one to one another, doing trades. So they. Tess both... guys is
1: the girl who got the mushroom kiss in episode two.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they stay uh, self <laughs> su- self sufficient, and um,
1: cordyceps. Frank
0: kisses. Bill's uh, lover was kind of the one who um introduced them to other people. Yeah, kind of spread their wings per se. Yeah,
1: yeah. They had little uh, picnic outside. But I
0: want to like... I want to talk about something a little fucked up about this episode, and it's not the episode itself. It's the um, it's the response to the episode yes. that blows my mind. I'm looking here at the IMDb ratings. I don't understand how anyone could give this episode a 1 out of 10 besides being homophobic. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? It was targeted by lots of homophobics. It's just... You know, and everyone's talking about bears, and we'll talk about the negative side of it. I don't like. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was very emotional. It was a beautiful love story. Uh, it reminded me in many ways of Brokeback Mountain, a film that I love. And I think it's one of the most saddest. romantic films I've ever seen in my life and one of the saddest. Yeah. But if, like, if you ask me, like, a love story, like, I'll, I'll mention, like, if you ask me about love stories in film, I'll mention Brokeback Mountain every time. Of course. And this, uh, there are similarities there to be drawn. It maybe oversimplifies it a bit. But the way it's handled and just put across is the normal, I think if you got a heart,
0: you, you just you identify will,
1: with this love story.
0: You'll love this episode, yeah. yeah. I felt the same exact And way I think about. it happened
1: to critics and it happened to America. And I think a lot of people that maybe thought they would not be able to enjoy that content or relate to it did
0: well what's funny too is a lot and it of,
1: set off the, the last of us bomb yeah 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 across the country i would say that episode yeah drew people in it, it drew it drew 16 more the following week that's a lot dude for a show that's already like in progress
0: oh 100 to make
1: a jump like that and it's because of that episode and the episodes and we got two more episodes since then which have continued to be high quality and they take place in kansas city
0: and this newest episode is the highest rated so far?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they dropped it last night because of the Super Bowl being on Sunday. They gave us a little treat, and they gave it to us on Friday. I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was nice. I got home from vacation last night, I popped it on, and I fell asleep immediately. So I had to rewatch it this morning.
0: Yeah, and, and not to give too much away, because we, tra- we, yeah. we try to stay light, spoiler, in this show, but I'm just yeah. going to say, you know, one thing we love about HBO shows is their ability to take chances, and um, one thing about HBO shows is don't get too attached to characters.
1: Joel and Ellie... uh Joel and Ellie make a few new, a couple new allies. Or uneasy allies, you know, I guess you could say. But what's going on in Kansas City is a bunch of guerrillas have overtaken FEDRA who were violent and oppressive and, of course, have created a more violent and oppressive scenario than was already there. And this is what I was talking to you about, Stevens, when we talked about The Walking Dead and we spoke about it earlier. When I was watching these episodes, I started getting that feeling of dread, you know, like this is everything's terrible. You know, mankind is a real enemy. I haven't seen a zombie in fucking three episodes, two episodes, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And you know, people suck and this and that. But what keeps me all in on this show is Joel and Ellie and Ellie yeah. uh, and their relationship that grows and acting that Pedro and Bella are doing in this is top notch stuff. You know, Pedro is still doing the minimalist thing, he's doing a lot with a little. And the supporting characters are all great. Do you like his southern accent? Uh, is, is it Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. Right?
0: That's how I felt about it. Yeah, it's one of those things. what do you think?
1: I mean, it's fine. He it doesn't say too much. So I don't really, you know. Yeah. He's made a man of few words. I, I was just
0: wondering if you caught that as well. Just kind of like how sometimes he's like, we're here because we're here. And sometimes I, he's I like, I
1: think he's going to start probably talking more as these episodes going. on. We'll be able to tell. We're already past the halfway mark for The Last of Us. Yeah. So I'm already starting to have The Last of Us separation anxiety.
0: So fucking good. I'm yeah, just so it, happy it's here.
1: It's great, and I'm sure it's it's going to go well. It's renewed for a second season. I'm curious if I know the second version of the game is about Ellie as an adult. Yeah. So I think what they'll try to do is, I guess, maybe stretch out. Maybe they plan to just stretch out the the narrative of the game over a couple seasons.
0: Why? So uh, Bella Ramsey kind of grows into her character.
1: Yeah, sure, and like why jump away from like such good talent actors and leads that people like?
0: I mean, shows take years to produce and put out so i mean by 2028 say we're in season three or something yeah well i guess the game
1: itself i don't know what what point of the game this that 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 the show is matching up to but yeah i don't know four more i don't think four episodes are going to cover the rest of that game
0: they've kind of already taken their liberties of showing that they're not going to conventionally follow the game
1: how about that mega zombie i'm not going to say anything else out about it
0: he looked like the thing from Fantastic Four. The, the brute, big gold zombie. Is that what he's called?
1: The brute. Another um, no, clicker, the Clickers.
0: Yeah, I know Clickers. I don't want
1: to be. Even a... even They even said Clickers by name in the uh, in the show.
0: I don't want to be a fraud here, but I know uh, there are like five different zombie
1: types. In yeah, the- yeah, I read the classifications of them. We've seen Clickers, and I want to say one's called Mushroom Heads, but that's probably too simple because that's just that's just what they are. But um, it, the. the the Menace, the Cordyceps Menace definitely rears its ugly head again.
0: We have Runners, Stalkers, Clickers, Bloaters, Shamblers, and the Rat King.
1: I think we saw a bloater. Yeah. I'm not, me- I'm not psychologically nor emotionally prepared cool. to see the Rat King, and I don't want to see it. <laughs> ever. I hate rats so much.
0: Really? I think it's just kind of a name.
1: Yeah, I know, but I the know. concept of a Rat King, when I think about Clickers, like a bunch of Clickers getting stuck to each other and turning into a, a giant.
0: Oh, this episode's so fucked, guys! But please watch it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's no, it's it's great. I mean, the show continues to get better and better every week, and I just hats off to them for taking the risk to do that bottle episode um, and episode three. It paid off for them in spades and has made the show a complete sensation, as Zach and I predicted after episode one. Yeah, we're you geniuses. I mean, I
0: knew we're that. pop culture geniuses. That's great. You didn't think that show? I thought I knew the show was going to be big.
1: Yeah, of course. We yeah. we, we we both knew. Yeah. And it is, um, so the Last of Us. You know that was something we thought we were going to talk about maybe every few weeks, but we're going to talk about it every week.
0: I mean, I I think you know just to be fair to the audience for people who haven't started it. Yeah, I think you know keep it light, but um,
1: yeah, we will go. We will so, go spoiler it's out. so fun. Yeah, so fun. and I know a lot of you guys are listening to it, so it's it's cool for us to talk about. And we need to get warmed up for Succession. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, HBO is ruining my life in the best way. They're keeping us. They're. <laughs> Geez, I'm sorry. They're keeping us chill on Sundays, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: Stay in, watch a show, do a pod. None of that Sunday Funday nonsense. Got no time for that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Gots to watch that HBO. Um, speaking of HBO, another company that they are tied in with big time is DC Comics. And DC Comics made their big move last week, their big announcement. So let me ask you a question, Stevens. Who is Kevin Foggy?
0: Um... God, Ben Huey's going to – I feel like if Ben listened to this, I'm going to just butcher everything. But he's the president of uh, Marvel Studios. Yeah,
1: Marvel Studios. Kevin Foggy is the mastermind, if you will, um, hit or miss, of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe and now the Marvel Television Universe as well, which is on Disney+. Plus. So Marvel streaming shows. I think he's probably even involved in the video game arm. I don't know if he's involved in creative for the comics, but I even think he might be somewhat at this point because a lot of us to tie-in. He runs the movies, he runs the TV shows. And he has a lot of creative control. And DC, with their struggles, which have been happening since they've been trying to catch up with Marvel, have not had that guy. And they do have that guy, though, because who did they hire this week?
0: Uh, James Gunn. James who, Gunn. They, who is their uh, their knight that's going to save them? Because, God, DC has sucked for so long.
1: They are hoping for, yeah. I mean, I don't think DC has done much good... Uh, since the bat, since the Batman films, you don't think that, did you like Man of Steel? I liked Man of Steel. I, I love Man of Steel. fun fine. And, but I mean, the Nolan Batman films and they've been some hit or miss stuff, but like but not, for me, not much. I liked Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was very good. The first one. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I just didn't like Aquaman. I know people loved it. I guess it was fun, you know, or whatever, but I'm not a big Aquaman guy. Dude. I I fucking hated Joker so much (laughs) that I'll talk about it for the rest of my life.
0: You're talking about the Joker that most people loved? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I liked a movie that James Gunn made for DC called The Suicide Squad.
0: See, guys, Matt is um, in the uh, idea. He he has this thought process where he thinks that Jared Leto's Joker is better than Joaquin Phoenix. Agreed,
1: yes. Let's go. We can talk about it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people disagree with you. I think I think the Joaquin's Joker was fine. I I, I knew I knew what that movie was going to be when I started it. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, the Joker isn't some goofball contortionist who just fucking sits around his apartment. And He's a mastermind. Was a is an edible complex. And gives his mom baths and watches a fucking talk show on TV. That's not what the Joker yeah, does. I think they kind of the made Joker it. fucking balls out and commits major crimes and.
0: Yeah, I kind of think dominates his enemies. Joaquin's Joker looked like an idiot.
1: Yeah, it, I thought the movie should have just been called "Asshole" because <laughs> that's kind of like what he was like.
0: Well, it was also kind of shedding light on this like modern idea of like mental white mental illness. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, well, join the fucking club. It was weird. <laughs> it
0: was. It was something.
1: Well, soon we'll be seeing Joker Foley Adu, starring Lady Gaga. As not Harley Quinn, we swear she's not Harley Quinn. They keep saying, she's probably playing Harley Quinn. Yeah, probably. And that's great. And you know what? I'll go see the day it comes out because I'm a masochist of some sort, I guess. But if Joker was an origin movie, and maybe we will see the twisted mind of Joaquin Phoenix become the criminal mastermind that we all know the Joker to be. Um, so the jury's out. Uh, then the And this is, um, what if we're getting away from this, oh, James Gunn thing. He's inheriting the projects that DC currently has in production or ready to come out. And he announced a whole new slate, DC's plan.
0: And how many years did he lay out for the fans? Uh,
1: this, th- this, I think, is probably going to be about four or five years. Wow. Yeah, that's about how long like a Marvel phase takes, and they copy everything that Marvel does.
0: Well, why not? For I mean, better or worse. The formula is there.
1: So he's got Joker 2. He's got The Flash, which is troubled because of Ezra Miller's issues. Is that
0: who's going to still play him?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in the can, dude. They made it like it's the it cost hundreds of millions of dollars. It's probably gonna be good though. Yeah, because it's got Michael Keaton in it as Batman. What? Yeah, dude. Oh, sick. Yeah, and Affleck. That's what the sucks. Flash runs around the a, a multiverse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Keaton is in it. Keaton was also in the background movie that DC shelved, hmm. which sucks. And uh, he's got the Aquaman sequel. Now, Gunn is running the show now. He says the Flash movie is the shit. He says one of the best comic book films ever made. He knows a little bit about comic book films because besides making the Suicide Squad, he used to work for the other team. Marvel. Where he made three Guardians of the Galaxy films. Made two, got fired for being inappropriate on Twitter.
0: And everyone loves those movies.
1: But in all fairness, got fired from shit he said on Twitter 10 years ago when he was like an aspiring comedian.
0: Well, yeah, he's one of the few men that, or women that have um, beaten cancel culture.
1: Yes, because the cast, the Guardian, sort of rallied around him and said, if he's out, we're out. So they get one more Guardians out of him. But James Gunn used to be an aspiring comedian. He wrote a lot of funny movies for an exploitation film company called Troma, which is famous for really gross, really funny horror films and parodies in the 80s. The Toxic Avenger, Tromeo and Juliet, The Class of Newcomb High, okay. Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Um, Some of you nerds out there definitely know what I'm talking about. It's a little bit past... A little bit before Stevens' time.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm completely. You
1: um, stare at these boxes at the video store and be like, just stare and stare. And, and your parents will walk by and be like, no fucking way. And we're <laughs> not funny. renting it. We're not renting it. When I finally got my dad to rent the Toxic Avenger after begging for years, we watched about the first 10 or 15 minutes of it. And these hit and run drivers run a little kid over, that's riding his bike. And then they like back back over him and they, his head blows up in slow motion. Jesus Christ. And my dad God. was like, go to your fucking room. Because it was that, like, graphic. They're gross. But people love these movies anyway. But James Gunn cut his teeth working for this company. As did uh, Eli Roth.
0: Um, oh, wow, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of other... A lot, there's, there's a lot of Troma graduates. It's like a lot of the people that used to work for Roger Corman back in the day. Got their oh, start got working with Troma Films. And um, Gunn oh, did... Um,
0: there's going to be a Toxic Avenger reboot with Peter Dinklage. Correct, yeah. So, I Nothing mean, so.
1: the IP is there.
0: Does Peter Dinklage do any wrong? Um. Not really. No. Maybe yeah. Underdog?
1: <laughs> do you remember underdog no but it made me think about when Zombieland when they shoot bill murray like accidentally because he's got the zombie makeup on yeah and he's dying in the house and they're like any regrets and he goes garfield maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah underdog came out in 2007 oh and dinklage also he's the um angry uh, child book writer from elf
1: oh yeah but elf is great yeah. So we love we love him in this you feel strong. <laughs> uh James Gunn is a nerd and he's a genre guy. And after Troma, he wrote some great he wrote some good movies. He wrote The Dawn of the Dead reboot that Zack Snyder directed, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. I loved. Wrote a nasty little horror movie called Slither that had really gross effects. Oh, uh, I remember that movie. And got a cult following,
0: yeah. Gross. And
1: made a cool movie called Super with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page about a guy who gets a head injury and thinks he's a superhero, becomes a vigilante
0: Yeah, I hadn't seen that one, but I need to...
1: Yeah, so it's it's super, um, pretty interesting. But this is what James Gunn has got lined up. He's got a two-pronged attack. He's going to try to do what Marvel just did with Phase 4, and that's movies, uh, cinematic releases, and television on HBO Max, through the HBO Max hub. And he probably repped off about 10 projects, but there's a few that I want to talk about as a nerd. And on the TV side, um, the ones that... What I'm jazzed about... Well, we have Paradise Lost, which is trying they going to try to do a Game of Thrones-like fantasy series that takes place on Wonder Woman's home island of Themyscira, which is like a good Greek goddesses kind of thing. So, I can see that being a pretty interesting show. Yeah. Um, that conceptually, uh, Amanda Waller, the vile Davis character from Suicide Squad, the lady who runs the Suicide Squad, is getting her own series. I'm kind of over her, but I like the Suicide Squad, so that could be interesting. She's good at Gun Gunn also does. did Peacemaker, by the way, if you watch Peacemaker. That's yeah,
0: true. yeah, with John Cena. My the
1: bad. one that I'm jazzed about. <laughs> you know, you make jokes about, like, people say, like, True Detective Season 4 or True Detective Season 5 when you see a picture of, like, two cool people or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're literally doing, like, a DC True Detective, and it's called Lanterns. And this is about the Green Lanterns, who are DC's interstellar Police Corps, basically. Space Army, call it what you will. Every planet has a lantern that protects it.
0: It sounds dope already.
1: Yeah. And uh, well, Earth's had a bunch of lanterns. The ones that are two most well-known are Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. And, of course, there's Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner, who everyone loves, too. Yeah. But Hal Jordan and Stewart are the, the big boy Green Lanterns. And this is going to be a buddy show about them solving crimes together around space
0: if it's anything true detective s and dc and it seems like of
1: all most of the shit that he's announced this is the one thing that people are really fucking excited about Hmm. so if he like nails the casting and gets two really good lanterns um lanterns is a show that i'm jazzed about might take us a couple years to see it but it's worth it and the main movies thing this is the big thing henry cable got released from his contract to superman then James Gunn got announced as running run in DC, and his first project is a movie called Superman Legacy. Can we, can we talk about Henry really
0: quick, though? Because he kind of had, like, two massive things fall apart out of nowhere. The yeah. Witcher, which I've had many friends freak out because they loved him as his lead role in The Witcher. Mm-hmm. And then, well, his whole thing was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to be Superman because of The Witcher. Am I wrong on that? Or
1: um, No, I don't know if it was that. All of a sudden, he wasn't The Witcher anymore. Allegedly walked. And then he was also no longer Superman. Which is good because he's a good Superman, so that's interesting to me. And you know what? Maybe I don't. This can't have everything to do with it, but here's a, you know, here's a character that you're not going to see in the DC Universe at Phase One, and that's fucking Black Adam. Because that movie with Suck. The Rock was one of the worst comic movies I've ever seen, and it's and even the spread of it, the stink of it, even spread to Henry Cavill because he did a post credit scene.
0: Can I tell you something that yes. is going to? Uh just make you disgusted. You, you like, like Black Adam? No, 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 no. I didn't even see it. But <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh Um We have a listener, one of my good friends, uh, Lauren. She's a uh she's she's a nerd, but she's a huge um Timothy Chalamet fan.
1: Oh Christ. <laughs> and
0: I saw this Twitter thing on potential stars to play. Uh, Superman, and, Superman- <laughs> <laughs> and they, they had a hundred and twenty-five yeah. pound yeah. Timothy Chalamet on the list, and I was like, "Are we fucking around right now?" I like
1: Timothy Chalamet, okay, in Dune, yeah, I, and I well, liked a, him.
0: Well, he's a perfect Paul. The way Paul's described yeah. in the book, he plays Paul. Yeah, wonderfully. Yeah, man, he
1: was okay in Dune, and Lauren, I really like Ladybird too. That was a good movie. I don't know if you've seen that, but Chalamet is supposed to play like a sort of douchey, stoner, uh, dreamy high school guy, and he's good at that part, but. He's a, he's a, he's developed to the stage where his name's going to get brought up for everything. I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Butler got brought up for Superman.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Superman's getting directed by bias. <laughs> Dude, I think it's hilarious he can't drop that accent.
1: And, uh, and, then, and then they did a press release this week like... Austin Butler working on losing Elvis accent. I'm like, who the fuck cares? Because I think... <laughs> Dude, you'd be surprised. A lot of people fucking care. Elvis's Oscar chances are going down the toilet right now. I couldn't be happier about it. But, I mean, he was really good in the movie. Like, he put in a good performance, but I don't know. It's like when we talked about my buddy that spoke in a British accent after he took acid for a month.
0: Maybe Austin <laughs> Butler's just
1: having a hard time shaking it.
0: I forgot you told me that shit. Superman's going
1: to be a very coveted part. Um, and it's not going to be an origin story, he claims. It's going to be a little bit about his growing up in Smallville, but mostly about his early, te- early years as Superman, which to me sounds exactly like a fucking origin story. But it's going to be called Superman Legacy. So that was pretty exciting. Another one that's very exciting is Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Okay, so you have the Batman, which is Robert Pattinson. And that falls under the umbrella of like the Joker movies. It's called Elseworlds. So those mm. movies happen independently out of the DC Universe timeline. Pattinson's Batman movies... Uh, the Joker movies um, Those are two good examples
0: Well that's cool That they're not gonna Kind of like disrupt Yeah what's go- Cause isn't it funny Sometimes how like These side movies Will be wonderful But then like The the core will be shit That's what DC's been For forever Yeah Right Yeah Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah They get the they get, those, they get the side things Okay Like the boys Okay That's a DC Oh my prop. god We love the boys the Can't boys wait for another best. Can't wait for another season
0: Wait that's DC
1: Yeah
0: Why do they run that Through Amazon then
1: Those Vertigo comics, and you know, I think that that was like their adult line of comics. I was just thinking they they give different licenses, they'll be like, Okay, well, this is just going to be Warner Brothers, but oh, the Vertigo comics, maybe if you got some money, you can buy.
0: That's funny. We're talking about this right now because I literally had this thought the other day of like, I mean, when you think about what was the word you used about Superman's logo at Iconography, yeah. When you think about like how iconic Superman is, how iconic Batman is, I was sitting here laying to myself and I was thinking. Could we, like, create a, super, a superhero comic right now and years from now it be as Did you say you were
1: laying a, to yourself? I was laying by myself. I thought you said you were laying to yourself. I think you said you were laying to yourself. They got another word for that.
0: Huh. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Dirty motherfucker. Here's the I,
1: moment I wake up.
0: <laughs> so Here, No, here's what I'm saying, though. I was thinking about... You know, the potential of a, a new comic or a new superhero and how popular I get. And then The Boys crossed my mind. That's, yeah. a, that's a relatively new, I mean, what, last 20 years comic? For sure. Yeah. yeah. And how fucking... I mean, dude, you can't go on Twitter and scroll through comments without seeing a Homelander meme. Mm-hmm. Like, Homelander is as big as, I'm not going to say, you know, a
1: super famous thing, but huge, you know? Yeah. Well, there's good news for you in that there is um, a, a, a film project called The Authority that's coming up from Gunn. That is like the, they're like the Justice League analog. Like there's a character that sort of reflects. Like there's a guy named Midnighter who's a lot like Batman, except oh, cool. he's gay. Or uh, you know, so it's the, but they're but they're like more violent and it's an adult comic. It's very much like the Boys. I it's a cool and it's a cool comic. So that's yeah. going to be a movie, and they're probably they're probably doing that because of the success of the Boys.
0: I hope James Gunn takes a uh, you know treats us like adults. That's sometimes Marvel the. From Iron Man to Endgame is wonderful what they did, but sometimes I just feel like I'm getting like, I, sometimes I want a movie I, I I can't watch with my nephew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So Marvel's very
1: he, homogenized, man. and Which I don't is think, awesome. Yeah, they, but I don't, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon until something doesn't make money. Like, what, do we have to stop going to see these maybe? Or like, we're going to talk about this next week because we're going to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or at least I definitely will. No, I'll go see
0: it. I mean, and we're gonna have to talk about you know, it.
1: But I'm not even excited about it. And I love Marvel with the fiber of my being, you know. And I'm just like, all oh, right.
0: I, I'm excited for the future of uh, Jonathan Majors because yeah, I think man. that dude's well, he's, a star. Jonathan's
1: about to be the biggest star in Hollywood, man. Like, yeah. With you know, Michael
0: B. Jordan's like, here you go. Yeah, for real, right? He's handing yeah. him I'm like, you are now the sexiest black man yeah. in Hollywood. Well, crime. I
1: hope so because he's got about ten movies he's got to do as Kang, and and he's got the he's got he's the next two phases of Marvel are on his back.
0: Did Brolin ever talk about? playing Thanos, like, taking a toll on him? Because I can only imagine.
1: Nah, I don't think so. And he probably had a little less work, like, maybe working... I guess he worked with those guys, though, just in a motion capture suit. Yeah, he just to show up and be like... But this guy, Majors, is great. He's about to be in the new Creed movie. Uh, He's got a movie coming up called Magazine Dreams. Have you heard about Magazine Dreams? I have not. It's on the independent film right now, creating a lot of controversy. He plays an obsessive bodybuilder. And the shape he got in this thing is crazy. But it's apparently very graphic About the world of bodybuilding It's got a lot of graphic nudity And stuff in it It's got a lot of 80s Very excited If you know what I'm talking about Have
0: you heard about the uh, So like When someone gets extremely jacked That wasn't jacked before Who's the Indian actor? Kamal Uh, That was in Eternals
1: Yeah uh, Kamal I forget his last name.
0: So when a guy is like spends most of their career being yeah. like nerdy and funny, and then gets that jacked, there's always these posts like, "Here's his workout routine for this and that." Here's this, yeah, yeah. Dude, the funny thing that everyone talks about, it's like, no, 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 no. There is no workout to look like Jonathan Majors and Creed. There's like the secret sauce.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, there's a team. All these, dude, all these people,
0: like this level of jacked, like Henry Cavill Jack, it's unattainable. Yeah, Brad
1: Pitt it's worked kind of, out. Kind of uh, funny. Brad you know? Pitt worked out eight hours a day for Troy. Eight hours a day, Fuck. and ate chicken breast, you know, and worked out eight hours a day. We don't have that time in our schedule.
0: Sorry, we're just looking at chiseled god he pictures. He sure looked good though, yeah. Jonathan but Major is, is right now.
1: and he's, you know, he's a he's a great actor already. You can tell this, you know. So at least, you know, they're in good hands with having him. I think is a compelling villain.
0: I never saw a Lovecraft Country, but I heard he was pretty good in that Right, new
1: well. Right, nor have I. And I just, you know, and I want to love Marvel again, man. I want to see some badass movies, and I think the key to them doing that, I think that Kang will help to some extent, but yeah. you got to get the Fantastic Four rolling, and you got to get the X-Men going. But that's, we're going to talk about that next week, but I know I go off on tangents here, but I'm dipping into the pot for next week. Okay, what else maybe? I'm excited about by DC is The Brave and the Bold, which is a Batman and Robin, I think it'll be a series of movies. When I was a kid, The Brave and the Bold was a, Comic book, it was Batman and a different guest every month, like it was like a team up thing. Okay, so the Brave and the Bold, I think, is going to be Batman and Robin. I'm going to have some other like interesting, more fringe characters like dropping in and doing shit with them. Robin, in this case, is Damian Wayne, Batman's son.
0: Dude, who's that uh, guy from Batman? You're just I'm thinking of Batman fringe characters right now. Mm. Is the name
1: Nightwing? Nightwing is Dick Grayson. He's the original Robin. Oh, he kicks ass, right? Dick Grayson is the original Robin. Becomes A vigilante called Nightwing who works in Bloodhaven, which is a city next to Gotham City. Robin number two, Jason Todd. Murdered by the Joker in the 80s. Voted on by fans to be murdered by the Joker. Beaten to death with a crowbar and blown up in a warehouse in Iran. I feel
0: like I'm talking to a historian right now. came
1: back as the Red Hood. Robin number three, Tim Drake. Pretty cool. Became the leader of the Teen Titans.
0: Okay, who's the acrobat one?
1: Carrie Kelly is a future Robin from The Dark Knight Returns. First female Robin. Dick Grayson was the acrobat. Okay. Current Robin Damian Wayne Son of Batman And Talia Al Ghul Daughter of Ra's Al Ghul A.K.A. The oh, Demon's Head Yeah 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 Liam Neeson From Batman uh, Begins Batman Begins And Talia was the, the Not so secret villain In The Dark Knight Rises Yeah Keep up Stevens. I'm trying I'm a nerd, this is why I do this, I love it. That was exhilarating for me to go through the Robins like
0: that. Dude, I know, that was like a um, when like there's a (sighs) commercial for a drug, and then at the end they're like, this might kill you, I don't know. know."
1: Yeah, man, (laughs) someone give me a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) The Brave and the Bold, a Supergirl movie as well, which I think will be cool if we uh, we do Supergirl right. And wrapping up phase one, Swamp Thing. Back in cinemas, I love Swamp Thing. Yeah, a very cool character, so much limitless potential to what you can do with him,
0: dude. And I hope they do go like a little. And it's been
1: done well in comics for decades.
0: Hope they go practical with that though. Make it fucking scarce <laughs> a little bit. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah, they could, they, they could, they could. Did you ever see the eighty Swamp Thing movies that Wes Craven directed? No, but I like Wes Craven. He directed one. It was very kind of campy, but awesome. And there's another one that's totally campy. They filmed out in Savannah. People love campy shit, man. Yeah, I suppose you're right about that. Um. So DC, that's the Gods and Monsters Phase 1 of the DC Universe. And I'm excited about it, man. Gunn knows what he's doing. And I think he's going to put out some cool shit. Speaking of cool shit, or not so cool shit, we're going to wrap up the show today talking about the Oscars. Oscar nominations. Always interesting, always debated, always this person got snubbed, this person doesn't belong here. How do we feel overall about the Oscar nominations this year? I feel all right about it, man.
0: I feel pretty good about him. I just have one snub that is driving me crazy.
1: Tom Cruise for best actor. No. Well.
0: <laughs> my that's dad, fair. My dad might agree with you on. Hell yeah. Jay Bird. Stevens. An- yeah. Dude, another episode. Another Jay Bird reference. The
1: Stevens. real life Maverick to my goose, Jason Stevens. What's up? Come home, brother. He's like, you can't step on the brakes in an F-18. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Man. Maverick does what yeah, he does. He has the need for speed.
0: No, my snub is I'm very upset that um, The Northman was not nominated mm. for uh, Best Picture because I love Robert Eggers. Yeah, and a little I love like, what, creepiness from Robert Eggers. Oh, my God. Real quick, just to talk about Robert Eggers. He's the director of uh, The Witch uh, with Anya Taylor-Joy, our podcast girlfriend. Um, the Lighthouse with Pattinson and Defoe. And then he does... Um, he just did The Northman with Skarsgård and Anya Taylor Joy, and yeah. it, it, the movie was phenomenal.
1: Is it true that Skarsgård and Ethan Hawke fight at the end, just naked penises flopping around on like the side of a volcano?
0: No, Ethan Hawke dies in the beginning.
1: Everyone lies to me about these movies, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there is a naked penises fling and fight. But um, <laughs> what I what I want to talk about really quick is something I read about last night because I watched The Witch for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and then I got deep. I was like when is another Robert Eckers movie coming out I'm like hooked on him and um dude he is doing a nosferatu remake yeah with uh Bill, bill Skarsgard. Skarsgard.
1: yeah dude great casting right well I just
0: can't wait to see how he does it because that i mean the nosferatu picture yeah
1: in the door like how the fuck is he gonna it's gonna be awesome do you know yeah? that bill just wrapped a, a remake of the a reboot of the crow wow yeah which should be cool man I love the crow that's a cool property It's almost like there's, like, like in Horror comics. Well, like, in music,
0: there's, like, cool guys in music, and then there's, like... Mm -hmm. You know, like, if I'm... I'd rather hang out with, like, you know, Warren Haynes and Dua Lipa. I know you'd rather hang out with Dua Lipa, but... But we do hang out. (laughs) But what I'm saying about movies is, like, it's almost like there's, like, cliques of actors that are just doing cooler shit than other cliques of actors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Skarsgård and Mm -hmm. Anya Taylor-Joy and just, like, all those people... Everything they've been putting out is just like fucking gets my attention. I, yeah, people you know, that are taking chances
1: on like interesting projects, you know. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't. I didn't Pattinson, get to see it yet. Pattinson's a cool kid. I man. really wanted to sit down and see it and watch, it, but you know, Alex, Alex's brother just did Infinity Pool with Brandon Cronenberg.
0: Yeah. Which
1: I've heard is absolutely insane body horror film. But people are they're taking chances on this kind of stuff. Mixed and-
0: reviews. We were going to cover Infinity Pool right before you left. And I'm glad. I'm almost glad we didn't because I don't think enough people have seen it. But.
1: Yeah, it's really niche, you know. But yeah. we're probably, but like I said, we got an Evil Dead sequel coming down the line. And we'll talk about some body horror.
0: Yeah, it's got Mia Goth as well, Queen of Horror.
1: We can put it. She's not in that, I don't think.
0: And um, Mia Goth's in Infinity Pool. That's what I'm talking about. Infinity yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. She
1: is. She um, is. Mia Goth's great. She just she just teed up um, talking about Oscars. She said that horror films are neglected by the Oscars, which you can say is true. But I mean, Song yeah. of the Lambs was a horror movie, and, and that's the swept. Yeah. Yeah. But she, I think she was sort of referring to herself, ooh, I should have gotten nominated for Pearl for Best Actress.
0: I mean, she popped off in that movie.
1: Very good. Very yeah. good. I agree. A lot of like,
0: weird facial shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good good acting. But so you don't... Like, I, I couldn't really... There are no snubs that leapt out at me this year. And one of the reasons for that is they, they broadened the Best Picture field about 20 years ago into 10 nominees instead of five nominees, which is the standard. And the purpose of that... Because they wanted to give some love to big box office movies or pe- movies that the public really embraced and really loved. And how did that shake down this year, in our opinion, when we look at these Best Picture nominees? I
0: mean, I think they checked all their boxes. You have a biopic in here. You have a...
1: Uh, you have a- hot, like, yeah, a lot of independent films, though, that you know, I just don't think many people see. And this is why no one watches the Oscars. Or cares about them. I do care about the Oscars, and I go see these movies, so I, I dig it. You know, I mean, it's
0: still the most prestigious award you can win. In I'd a like film. to see.
1: I like to see these these films. What are the three that we basically said are like mainstream love here in the Best Picture nominees?
0: Uh Top Gun: Maverick, loved it. Avatar: Way of Water, loved it. And Elvis,
1: fucking hated it. <laughs> Worst if, movie of the fucking dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I get it. And Elvis was a big hit, and a lot of people did like it. People love Elvis, you know. Yeah. Um, even if he was a sexual predator, dude. He to stole be honest, music from people, but it's okay.
0: Uh, it wasn't Austin Butler's portrayal of Elvis that no. made me not like that movie. It's it was the Hanks. fucking annoyance. No, well, yeah, he's bad. It's the annoyance of ba- the way Baz Luhrmann makes movies. To me, honestly, mm. God, they're so annoying. Man, like, don't
1: see Babylon if you don't like the way Baz Luhrmann directs.
0: But I like Chazelle. I really loved Whiplash. Uh,
1: we're, you know what? I think when Babylon streams, we should watch it. Okay, and I should maybe give the third hour a chance instead of sleeping. And and we could revisit, it, I think, because I think there's something to it that I might be missing. Well, oh, I feel like you know
0: that movie Elvis never had time to marinate. It's almost like Baz Luhrmann's like so obsessed with cutscenes in himself that like we like never got to enjoy a fucking. There's no pauses.
1: Yeah, flash cuts of people sweating God. and dancing frenetically. Pacing was so annoying. Yeah, uh, that's Baz's thing, you know. But yeah, Elvis. Um, but good, good performance by Butler. Um. So that was a hit, and that got some love. What are other seven best picture nominees? We've seen them all almost between the two of us.
0: Yeah, all Quiet on the Western Front, right. which um, was kind of like a secret little like midnight drop on Netflix, and um,
1: got eleven nominations. Yeah, dude. Bam! Nice, nice campaigning, Netflix.
0: I know, and I, I by watched, all accounts an excellent film, though, right? Made me cry. Yeah, I loved it. It was. Super... I watched the
1: first. Uh, I watched the first twenty minutes or so, and I, and I knew what it was getting into, and I wasn't ready for a harrowing war drama. Yeah, um, that's a mood kind of thing. What else?
0: This is uh, going to be no surprise to you guys after our last pod or maybe the one before it, I can't remember. But the Banshees of the Best
1: sh- movie of the year.
0: We want it to win. Yeah, All we want it. it to
1: win everything. Win everything. That was a good call. You recommended that. You saw it before. I didn't recommend it here on the pod, the Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah. I hope people watched it because I absolutely fucking love this movie, man.
0: Well, um it was
1: so unique. So unique. And we've talked about the lack of, you know, original ideas and compelling performances and stuff like that. This movie had it in spades. And I love every performance in it. Well, in typical, And I love the way it was written and I love the way it was directed. And it deserves every fucking nomination it
0: got. In typical uh, TikTok fashion, there's this thing that happens when something popular drops or uh, people have taken sound bites from the movie mm-hmm. of Colm, uh, Colin Farrell's character, yeah. um, like giving a sad monologue. Yeah. And people have now like used it Put other sad things over, and it's just like I'm scrolling through TikTok now, and I'm just hearing like Banshees of Inisherin monologs. God, I mean, Banshees
1: of sharing is about losing your best friend, uh, for reasons that you might not even be able to comprehend. You know, it's like friend ghosting, oh, which I think is an absolutely terrible, heartbreaking feeling. Yeah. And it's got a little bit of everything. Like, uh, we'll go ahead and push it again because does it might have, have
0: look- does it have everything everywhere. All at once. <laughs> Apparently, it
1: doesn't because that's what's standing in the way. I think of Banshees winning all the relevant awards, at the Oscars, is the beloved film, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is an interesting film. It was a good film, which um,
0: I still haven't seen it. So, uh, and I, dude, I have like tried to pirate it. I've tried to watch it. I think the only thing that has it is Showtime, and I'm not. going can get it
1: on Amazon for like six bucks.
0: Dude's like sixteen ninety nine. What? And I'm not going to make a Showtime. Doesn't matter. I'll watch the movie soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. I guess I think you should. I think I have to watch it again. I found it a little confusing at times. It's very hyperkinetic. People love it though. Yeah, people do love it, and um, you know, in the, from a political angle, which the Oscars involves some politics. Believe me, it's very inclusionary, and I think inclusion is important. And this is made by, um, this is made by BIPOC filmmakers, and it stars a lot of great Asian stars that maybe have not gotten their due in the past, including the lead Michelle Yeoh, who has been turning into great work in movies. For decades.
0: Yeah, she's been killing it as And the guy who plays her
1: husband in this film, his name is Ki-Hai Kwan. And I think I pronounced, I think it's just ki Hu Kwan or something like that. That's the way it's spelled. Well, I saw the video a video He was a beloved child actor. He was in The Goonies. He was short round in Indiana yeah. Jones movies. Disappears for 30 years. Gets another chance to be in this movie. Not to
0: fault of his own, though. I saw a video of him talking. One, by the way, his words, he would appreciate you just taking a stab at his name. Ki-Kwan. Yeah. yeah. He'd appreciate that. Yeah. He said, "I like anybody who tries," and also, he said Hollywood just like disbanded, like or of him, like or just, yeah, you know he tried yeah. so hard, yeah, and he's so happy that this came back around, and it shows,
1: man, because he is a he's got a he's got a sort of like a warmth about him that's Gold very appealing, he, and he's, yeah, he's gonna win it, and I mean. I'm glad he is because he's got an endearing, warm quality about him that really comes across. And it, it, like, w- even when I was losing track of what was going on and everything everywhere and all at once, I was like, "God damn, he's so good in this." It's good to see him back.
0: Yeah, like for sure. a
1: very, very cool because he was a good kid actor, like very entertaining, you know. Um, and Michelle Yeoh's great, and you know, Jamie Lee Curtis here gets her first Oscar nomination for a part I didn't even know was her until after the movie.
0: Dude, could you like filibust this podcast so I can go pee?
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Sure. Um,
0: I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna let you have a Tim Dillon style rant on the Fablemans, and okay. I'll be right back because that's what's yeah,
1: next. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about the Fablemans for a minute, but but staying on everything everywhere all at once. Um, I really enjoy the movie. It's so innovative. It uses so many interesting effects. It looks like it cost a fortune, and it didn't. It's an underdog story. It has a lot of representation. It checks off a lot of boxes. Um, as as far as you know, just um, just just females. And, you know, and more, more f- uh, foreign and minority uh, people involved. So there has got a lot of people rooting for it, and I can dig that. And it's a good movie, and it's definitely worth seeing. I just really felt such a connection to the Banshees of Ennis And and um, I'm surprised by both of those things because the movie I was most excited about this year was a movie called The Fablemans, and it's from Steven Spielberg. And it's a movie based on his life uh, as a child, an interesting dynamic in his family, and how he became a filmmaker, became enamored with film, and became a filmmaker. And the cast of this, you know, he's got uh, Paul Dano as his father, who I think is one of the best working actors in Hollywood. Michelle Williams is his mother, who I think is the best working actress in Hollywood. I know I got excited one week and I said Florence Pugh was the best. But Michelle Williams is the best, in my opinion. I mean, she's absolutely fantastic. Um, a cast of kids that play Spielberg and his sisters. And um, it just, I had such high expectations. This was the single most movie I was most excited for this year, even more than Top Gun Maverick Stevens. I'm back. And I went to see it, and it fell flat for me, man. I was really profoundly disappointed. Like, I'm not going to say it was a bad movie, because it it was a a good film.
0: Well, because Paul Dano's not in bad movies. I wanted it to
1: be, like, if Steven Spielberg is making a film about how he was a young filmmaker and how much he loves cinema and it's his tribute to cinema... Then sign me the fuck up, you know what I mean, and it had a great trailer. Man, it had a great trailer. It didn't have like it didn't you know it didn't have Sister Christian in it like the air trailer. Yeah, you were hooked on the air trailer as soon as you heard that Sister Christian. Fuck yeah, yeah. But the Fablemans. Do you recall seeing the trailer for the Fablemans?
0: Not even a little bit. I saw
1: it at a couple of movies I went to with my friends. Like I remember, with, I think when me and Lyd saw the menu, I was like, "Take my fucking money! Like we're coming to see this like when it comes out." And it just ended up being a real letdown. I thought it was really antiseptic. I didn't see Spielberg's touch in it, which is odd, considering he's one of the best, maybe the best director in the history of time. And his stamp did not seem on it. In any way, it's like he almost, it's the most intimate film he's ever made, yet he's completely detached from it. And I don't know if that makes sense. And I think it's in, in the conversation, I think it's in the conversation yeah. for Oscars because it's Steven Spielberg and this was his big emotional movie about his his interesting family. And it just didn't, it didn't land. It didn't land with audiences. It didn't land with critics. And it didn't land with many fans. But he's here because he's Steven Spielberg. That's how much fucking power he has. Like, I feel like if they didn't nominate this movie, Spielberg would be like, well, you know, I'm going to end all your careers. Like, I really felt like I, I, he, he lobbied very hard to be nominated for this film and for the film to be nominated and for the performances. And I think Michelle Williams probably deserves I mean, to be there.
0: There's 10 slots. Give Steven Spielberg what he sure. deserves. Yeah, you know, you know what? I,
1: I can dig that, man. I think that's fair. Yeah. I am not going to be a total curmudgeon about it. And uh and you get into more Arty films. The Fableman's worth a watch, you know, if you love film and you love Spielberg, of course, you know, because you got to you got to be a completist, but and then a lot of indies. Um I mean, uh, Women Talking directed by Sarah Polly, uh Indie Darling, which is about a um the Mennonite community, I believe, that a bunch of women get together because they're being abused and raped and assaulted and drugged and they're trying to decide whether they want to rally against the men that are doing that to them or just get out or just stay, um, which is an interesting subject matter. There's a film called Tar about a fictional composer named Lydia Tar, played by Kate Blanchett, um, who's a very um, iconoclastic and uh, it's, a, it's a lot about cancel culture and the Me Too movement and I really yeah. wanted to see this film. It was directed by Todd Field, who I really love his work. And uh, I watched about, I got to watch about 30 minutes of it, and most of it was Kate Blanchett really monologuing about musical theory and talking about conducting classical music, and it was kind of transfixing, like, it was very good. Her performance is fantastic, and she might win Best Actress, but I just couldn't get, I couldn't jump on with the movie, you know, it sort of lost me along the way. Triangle of Sadness, a satire that I probably think is up my alley that I have not seen yet, a foreign film entry. Hmm. Um, and what else what other great pictures uh, best picture nominees um, have we not mentioned that was all of them and Top Gun Maverick yeah congratulations I mean here you know here for a good time not for a long time but say what you will um, and we like we would really like to see Colin Farrell win best actor for Banshees yeah without a doubt but I uh, mean I think it's he's so he's so goddamn good it's just heartbreaking but I think you know I think with uh, this kid can't win for Elvis.
0: No. No, no shot. And I think if they, it'd I, be like, dude, people are still talking about like, how the fuck did we let Rami Malik win for Freddie Mercury? <laughs> it'd be like that, but even sure. more. It happens tra- every, it happens every few years. It's a travesty. Years. And
1: I think Brandon Fraser is probably excellent in The Whale, but I think The Whale, the problem with The Whale might be, if we can be personal, an issue I had with The Whale is as someone who struggles with some weight issues, you know, not like he does in this movie. I don't know if I want to go see a movie about a 600 pound, Man who's yeah. got a broken heart And is eating himself to death You know um, That's really hard for me I think it's hard for people That don't have these kind of issues To sit through For me it's nearly impossible And I almost went to Because I feel like I should do it As a critic And as someone yeah. I know going to talk about this shit But I didn't want to do it And I'm sure that's going to be the same For a lot of voters Colin Farrell has been in the game a long time and he does consistently good work. Like, it's time.
0: Two Irish actors in this top five list of actor and leading roles. Yeah, kind yeah. Well,
1: cool. the, we talked about Kwan with the with Everything Everywhere. And what's unfortunate about what I think is his inevitable win is that he's going to get past Barry Keegan, who I think is just so good in Banshees.
0: Isn't it cool that Banshees now has four? Yeah actors yeah, but, nominated
1: to- well you know Brenda Gleeson I mm-hmm. like in Banshees too, but Colin just, I mean um, and Barry Barry Keegan is just so good and you know um, as is Carrie Condon and she has a supporting role mm-hmm. I think they should all win I think there's the best performances I saw man for real I even think Angela Bassett was great in Black Panther but the ban- yeah Banshee's is just it's, it's it's good and it's it's kind of a drag that it's that it's not going to do that but I mean I, I don't know, I have a huge I- grudge with the people that are probably going to win winning
0: what do you think about this Paul Mescal guy? And well, After I haven't seen After but I will watch it soon. Definitely it sounds, before the Oscars come it's, out.
1: He, he sounds like a like a compelling performance. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the film. I know it's about a, a father, a young father who's depressed, and is trying to make things work as a single father. Like he has his daughter, or I think they go on vacation together. And well, that's about is, it. Like this a,
0: guy's on the rise for sure. It's like
1: a small, quiet film, you yeah. know. And uh, I like those Those can be Those can be a good hang sometimes
0: It kind of has I, Do you remember The Florida Project?
1: Yeah that I love the Florida the project? project
0: Okay I wonder if It kind of has that feel
1: Yeah Yeah I, I bet it does I bet it maybe does Have that kind of vibe Yeah But uh, I do like that one Good call Stevens. So I like that I like that analogy um, So the Oscars I, What are the date of the Oscars? You got a date on that buddy?
0: Um, Sunday March 12th
1: Yeah Are we going to have An Oscar party? Absolutely. Yeah. Or is it just going to be me, you and Sarah Joey? <laughs> Probably. Should we consider an alternate venue? I think we should just have it here and it'll just be me, you and Sarah Joey. Cook and then we'll do a food. live episode afterwards.
0: Dude, what wins the animated feature film? Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio or Puss in Boots?
1: Uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. Yeah. That's so just much del, work. That's just del Toro factor. Yeah.
0: Well, and so much
1: work. Yeah. But I'm interested in the Oscars this year because I have, I really enjoyed, I have strong feelings about a lot of these films for better or, or for worse. Hmm. so we're gonna see what happens. Best director, break those five off for me real quick.
0: Um, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, which, yeah. uh, amongst the acting and you know plot of the movie, the shots are beautiful, magnificent. Yeah, I even. believe he's
1: gonna win for best screenplay. Yeah, and deservedly so. I think that's Fair. gonna be his attaboy for that because I think that these two guys got everything everywhere all at once locked up.
0: Man, you might Unless be right. Unless
1: they give that attaboy to Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, that's it. Yeah, Todd Field's not gonna win for Tar. So this this year is like everything, everywhere, all at once. It's theirs to lose, you know. But and, and, you know, the diversity helps, but it's a good, interesting movie. It's very different. So there's a lot of positives to it being nominated so frequently. Um, but what you think of it may really depend on what you like in a film.
0: I'm not sure if you – or you said you didn't finish All Quiet on the Western Front, but right. it's I have to nominated finish that here for,
1: Yeah, I have to finish that in
0: Nominated for original score, dude, All Quiet – this crazy thing that happens throughout the whole movie In these like giant synth drones Yeah dude like, I heard mm-hmm. that like in the beginning Yeah like, and that you know, was unsettling crazy fucking And that's unsettling. why I was like I
1: don't know if I'm ready for this intensity right now Because <laughs> it is intense
0: Dude I wasn't I had to like look away at certain scenes Just like crazy war shit Yeah you know? yeah.
1: But, yeah Well Hollywood loves a war film So I mean there's 11 nominations right there That's no bullshit it's going to win some It'll yeah. probably sweep the technicals Because Avatar didn't even get that many technical nominations which I was kind of surprised by. And James Cameron snubbed his director. <sighs> Interesting.
0: Whatever. He has like six
1: more of these. Yeah, they'll give him one down, down, down the there. line. They'll, you know, they'll give him one down the line. Titanic just got re-released uh, in theaters this week. So if you've never seen Titanic, maybe you go out to the theater and check it out. I think most of us have.
0: If Avatar won Best Picture, I would just be like upset. For yeah, the it, it wasn't good enough to do it. But
1: yeah. Maybe if they evolve down the line and he comes up with some crazy shit at the end. And we'll see. But for no. now, for now, we're good with Avatar where it is. Taking up a slot for a popular movie that, you know, hey, maybe two years from now, we're going to be talking about Swamp Thing as one of those. Fuck. That'd I fucking cool. hope we are. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the Oscars. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's- we'll d- we'll
0: dive deeper. I know we scratched the surface of some of these movies. And honestly, you and I could do our homework and finish like Tar and After Sound. And we will before March uh 22nd.
1: Hey, we're uh, we're 12. about to have dinner tonight. We usually, uh, we, we've talked about dinner before on here. For the people, for the two or three of you that are still listening through our Oscar talk, it's Zach, you made dinner for us tonight. What did you make?
0: I'm uh, making braised short ribs. Yeah. Never made those before. So what no. else? Um, some uh, mashed potatoes and some uh, Parmesan-crusted asparagus.
1: You said, you told me, you said, I have a really nice piece of Parmesan
0: in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you handed me a block of Parmesan to to sniff. Block of cheese, dude. I could walk around just like I might. I might keep Parmesan in my pocket.
1: The Parm smells good. Thanks, brother. The Parm smells good. Everything smells good. We're about to eat this shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it time? Is
0: it? Better? I think there's actually like ten minutes left on the things so we need to wrap this ep up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the only other thing we have left to talk about is what's going on, and in, now in less than twenty four hours, Super and Bowl. And that is the Super Bowl. My beloved Philadelphia Eagles have defied all the haters and all the bullshit. And landed exactly where they should have in the Super Bowl because there's the best fucking team in the NFL where they will be facing the second best team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Coached by their former great Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer head coach, Andy Reid, Big Red, facing off against the Birds. It was bound to happen at some point.
0: Do you have a score prediction? Yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm not going to do one because they create rifts in our friend. 37-24
1: yet. Birds. Damn. Mm-hmm. hmm Thirty-seven, twenty-four Birds, Philadelphia Eagles. Super Bowl MVP. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, QB1. Let's see. Look, I'm a homer, I'm a fanboy. But the Eagles are the better team here. Superior pass rush, superior wide receivers, superior offensive line, superior at every single position except the quarterback.
0: And a lot of the Chiefs have a cold. Did you hear about that?
1: Yeah, well, they put a fucking jersey on the Rocky statue. <laughs> and, you know, these fans will never learn. Every time you put the opposition jersey, the Eagles could – stop that team
0: oh do we do a fight episode uh, and mention things like Rocky and never back down
1: for uh, Creed 3 yeah probably we can talk about some fight movies we can talk about Rocky movies Bloodsport yeah I mean there's a bunch yeah kickboxer Bloodsport yeah, you like that? Because, <laughs> you know, we, we even mentioned <laughs> Warrior the other week. Dude, I heard a Bill Hicks bit the other day about, he was like,
0: I was sitting there watching
1: this. Well, we said, you know, I was thinking about that. I was listening to one of the old pods. I brought up Warrior, a great movie, because we're talking about Hardy. You know? Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And you're
1: like, yeah, combat, combat sports make for great films. So I was like, yeah, totally. Then I was like, how many fucking good combat <laughs> sports <laughs> <laughs> But those rare. movies, I mean, boxing and, you know, kickboxer and shit like that, <laughs> blood sport. Those are combat sport movies. Yeah. Did you
0: ever hear the, hear the uh, Bill Hicks bit about combat movies, though? No. He said, um, we need to start taking terminally ill people in homes and putting them in movies. He's like, "He's like your grandma doesn't need to die in a home by herself. He's like, she needs to get kicked by Chuck Norris.
1: The great Bill <laughs> Hicks. We do miss him so. Yeah. That was like bump fights, I guess. We used to be like that. Yeah. Well, a really positive note to end things on, Steven <laughs> of a grandma getting kicked, you know, think about your nice little grandma with her VHS cabinet with radio ready for you to watch when you got to the house. <laughs> and you want to see? You don't want to see her in a combat sport movie,
0: Steven? So. Um, no. I mean, I'm not very close to my grandparents, so so I wasn't really either. But if Chuck Norris wants to kick him in the head, yeah, you know, I don't have many qualms. I'll let Chuck Norris do whatever he wants.
1: You know, one thing I do like though, short ribs. Let's eat. I like short ribs. I like mashers. And I love the Philadelphia Eagles. And I love my good pal, Zach Stevens. Uh, Thanks for listening through a long episode. Next week, we're going to have Ant-Man and the Wasp. We're going to talk about what's going on with Marvel and probably some other fresh news. A little more Last of Us. For sure. Two weeks to Cocaine Bear.
0: (laughs) Yes. The episode
1: of the year, hopefully with a special guest. We'll see. And we're going to talk about some of our favorite drug movies. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Go Birds.